For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here as we begin to wrap up yet another week in Biden's America. God help us. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I am at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. All right, next week, we're going to be all over the New Hampshire primary and so much more. So you're not going to want to miss a second of that. We are already well into the election year. I mean, the race, at least on the GOP side, pretty much over, but I want to deal with that today, and we will certainly deal with that next week. Uh, and on the Democratic side, I still think it is yet to come. <laughs> so we're going to be all over that and more next week. Uh, here today, we're going to do a deep dive on COVID and what we now know about the pandemic. And all of the lies that were fed to us about the virus and the mRNA shots from people like Dr. Fauci, Dr. Birx, and so many others who just straight up lied to President Trump, his team, and you. We're going to take a blowtorch to all of it with Naomi Wolf, who has been doing tremendous excavation work, not just on Pfizer, although she and her team have been combing through the Pfizer documents. We're talking hundreds of thousands of pages of data analysis of their so-called clinical trials on the mRNA shots, all of it. She has been hip deep in this for a long time, and she has no fear about exposing all of their lies. And I do want to ask her, like, what the, the big question that haunts me, we have been through this major trauma over the last four years, and here we are in, in early 2024, four years after the virus really started ripping through China and around the world, and yet nobody talks about it. Maybe it's because it was so traumatic, people just want to erase that whole chapter from our minds, but it is a huge historical chapter in world history, and nobody talks about it. Well, on this show, we're gonna, and Naomi is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes to do this absolute deep dive. First up, though, the Monica Memo. Trump versus Nixon. Who is the comeback champion? This week, I published an op-ed in Newsweek talking about the two of them because prior to this moment, my first boss, Richard Nixon, was the comeback champion. Now, my second presidential boss, Donald Trump, uh, given Nixon a real run for his money in terms of the greatest political comeback ever staged. I've written about this in Newsweek this week and why Donald Trump is prevailing in the face of 
everything that they have thrown at him over the last eight years. They have been nonstop throwing the kitchen sink at this man, and yet he is still standing. So I take all of this apart in very unique ways, I think, and I'm a very unique voice on Trump v. Nixon, having worked for both men. Nixon in his last years, of course, and Donald Trump at the Treasury Department. Uh, So you're going to want to read this piece. I promise you, you will love it. It is at Newsweek.com. And also I've posted it all over my social media. So you can find it on my Instagram and my Twitter. Go check it out. I promise you, you will love it. One of the big reasons why Donald Trump is still so dominant. Listen to this. According to a Fox News analysis... One-third of Iowa GOP voters want a, quote, total upheaval of our system of government. Burn it all to the ground and let's start from scratch because it is so deeply corrupt that you cannot reform it. This is my position. And I know everybody says that's a radical position, and it is. But guess what? We're in a radical moment here in the country. And just tinkering around the edges and swapping out personnel, maybe at the top, that's important, but it's not going to do it. One third of Iowa GOP voters want a, quote, total upheaval of the system. 55% do not trust the U.S. legal system, which is a stunning figure by voters who value law and order. Okay, 55% do not trust the U.S. legal system. I don't. I don't know about you, but you look at these anti-Trump prosecutors, this anti-Trump special counsel's office, these anti-Trump judges, they are so deeply corrupt. They're not there to equally apply the law to everyone. No, they're there with a political agenda and they don't care who knows about it. Why? Because the system is corrupt and they control everything. So it doesn't matter. I made this point uh, recently When Colorado's Supreme Court came in and threw Donald Trump off the primary ballot in Colorado, I made this point that, you you know, back in the day, you would have courts, state Supreme Courts, appellate courts, who would be, you know, maybe they were politically motivated, but they had some concern in the back of their mind that if they ruled a certain way that would be perceived as political, it would come back to haunt them, their court and their legacies, because they they would know that, or at least suspect that the Supreme Court ultimately would overturn them, and how humiliating and embarrassing for them. But now, these leftist jurists and prosecutors do not care. They don't care because they're communists. Guys, I am not overstating this. They are Marxists. So no, they don't care. They're just shooting from the hip. There is no rule of law. There is no due process. And frankly, there is no humanity when it comes to Donald Trump. Today, uh, Mrs. Trump, our former first lady, the gorgeous and brilliant Melania Trump, is burying her mother. This is her funeral. And the judge in this absolutely absurd defamation case related to the uh, bogus rape case from E. Jean Carroll. And the whole thing, she is a, a maniac and a nut. Um, but, you know, she's had 
left-wing judges, left-wing, a whole left-wing New York judicial system supporting her and advancing her bogus case. So now Trump is stuck in that stupid thing. And the judge in that case said, no, I'm not going to adjourn for one day so you can attend your mother-in-law's funeral. Denied. This is what I mean. There's not just no equal application of the law when it comes to Trump or any of us who are engaged in wrong think. There's no equal application, there's no due process, and there is no humanity. The sadistic glee with which all of these leftists are, are engaged in this communist jihad against Trump and the rest of us, the January 6th defendants. And by the way, average Americans, you didn't have to be at the Capitol to be targeted. What we now know, thanks to the House Judiciary Committee, led by Jim Jordan, this came out yesterday. The Biden regime is putting together domestic terrorist watch lists based on whether you bought a Bible or a gun or fishing gear at places like Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's. They are literally designing domestic terrorist watch lists with our names on it. And what is the GOP leadership currently doing right now? They're trying to figure out how to give the Biden regime more power and more money. I think tomorrow night is one of the first drop dead uh, dates for the government spending bill. And, you know, you've got these Republican tools in the House, but also in the Senate, who are just trying to figure out new and creative ways to fund the targeting of you. They are disgusting. They're worse than the left. The Mitt Romneys of the world are worse than the AOCs because they will talk a good game about limited government, fiscal responsibility. They do none of it. So they're just BSing you to death. At least AOC tells you the truth. I'm a Marxist. This is what I stand for. This is what I'm doing. I have more respect for that than I do for a Republican establishment uniparty tool who will give the Marxists whatever they want to destroy the country and target you. This is why this Fox News analysis is so important and why Donald Trump is winning. By the way, the CNN uh, poll in Iowa showed that two-thirds, 66%, think that the 2020 election was illegitimate. Well, yes. (laughs) Yes. And that number continues to grow as we get ever more evidence. Speaking of Marxism, uh, in Davos, Davos is happening this week. This is the annual confab of the globalist villains at the World Economic Forum. They're there all week. I was there once, January of 2020, right as COVID was beginning to rip around the world, certainly in China. And, uh, you know, it was because the Treasury Secretary usually leads the delegation, the U.S. delegation, if the president is not going Um, And Joe Biden can't even walk down the street. So no, he is not at Davos. And I don't know if our current Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is there. I've not seen that. She may be or maybe was there for a day or so, but I have not seen her there. But I can tell you, having been there once, you can literally feel the concentrated evil all in one place. 
if you're attuned to it, like I am, like my whole soul was on vibrate when I met Klaus Schwab. He came to the White House to beg Donald Trump to come to Davos. And Trump came and pushed all of their evil globalism right in their face. So, you you know, the audience of globalists sat there on their hands. And we had our own little cheering section. We were were seated in the front for Trump's speech, uh, sort of off to the right. But we were seated right in the front. And nobody was applauding Trump except for us. And I, of course, was leading it, right? I was like, yeah, woo, yeah, (laughs) bring it, woo, woo, woo. That was me and the rest of the U.S. delegation when Trump was speaking, but the rest of the globalists just sat there scowling throughout his anti-globalist speech where he took it right to them. You know who else took it right to them this week? The new president of Argentina, Javier Millet. He went right up in their grill And he was roaring, long live freedom. So his entire speech is extraordinary. You should watch the entire thing. It's all over social media. But I just want to, you know, he was um, being translated into English. So let me just read a couple of his statements. Here's what Javier Malay said, quote, Do not be intimidated. Intimidated either by the political caste or by parasites who live off the state. Do not surrender to a political class that only wants to stay in power and retain its privileges. You are social benefactors. You're heroes. You're the creators of the most extraordinary period of prosperity we've ever seen. Let no one tell you that your ambition is immoral. If you make money, it's because you offer a better product at a better price, thereby contributing to general well-being. Do not surrender to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonist of this story. And rest assured that as of today, Argentina is your staunch, unconditional ally. Thank you very much. And long live freedom, damn it. (laughs) Okay. Javier Malay is, he's the Donald Trump of South America, certainly the Donald Trump of Argentina. He is an economist. He's a free marketeer. Uh, he is a true capitalist. He hates the globalists. He, he was roaring against socialism during the rest of the speech. He is the new uh, global hero, along with Donald Trump, of the pushback of these globalist villains. But this is yet another reason why Donald Trump is leading. Now, in Argentina... Like in Taiwan recently, over last weekend, where they had their election, and uh, they brought back into power the uh, Democrat Party that is anti-China, despite the fact that China was all over Taiwan with election interference and social media influencing and intimidation by basically circling Taiwan with their ships and everything else. The people of Taiwan gave Beijing a major middle finger. So you've got Taiwan, freedom. You've got Argentina, freedom. Recently, the Netherlands with Geert Wilders uh, coming into power. Uh, You've got Italy. You've got Hungary. And of course, you know, we're going to have the United States election. Do you know that half of the world is going to be electing new governments this year? Half the world. So we got a close eye on it. But when elections are clean as they were in Taiwan and Argentina and the Netherlands, one day voting, voter ID, 
paper ballots and public ballot counting in front of cameras and anybody else who wants to watch. When you have clean elections like that, guess what? The people win. When you have dirty elections like we have had in the last two election cycles, well, you get Joe Biden, you get the globalists, you get the Marxists, you get deep, deep corruption. So the pushback against this, where the American people want a Malay moment again, after we had in 2016, we want another Malay moment. This is why you are seeing Donald Trump lead. Now we're heading into New Hampshire on Tuesday. Um, So it's just five days away. Donald Trump is leading by about 16 points. This is the last poll that I saw. Some other polls show it a little closer uh, between Trump and Nikki Haley. New Hampshire can be a little quirky. You know, they're very independent-minded. They are still New England, so much more liberal than, say, Iowa or what's coming next, Nevada and South Carolina. And in New Hampshire, you can have Democrats cross over, which they likely will to support Nikki Haley. So, you know, it could be kind of a scrambled situation in New Hampshire. We're going to be all over it. But, you know, Republican voters, by and large, are rejecting any candidate, including Nikki Haley, who is Marxist, corporatist, globalist, pro-China, pro-illegal immigration, full of woke toxicity and deep corruption. Not that Nikki Haley is, is full of woke or deep corruption, but she's certainly those other things. She's a corporatist, a globalist, pro-China, pro-illegal immigration, was opposed to Trump's wall. So, you know, New Hampshire could, you know, there could be a little surprise there. But even if there is, do not panic because on the heels of, of New Hampshire, we've got Nevada where Donald Trump is leading by like 40 or 50 points. And then Nikki Haley's home state of South Carolina, where Donald Trump has a huge, huge lead. So if Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley stay in uh, through South Carolina, which may, they may, may very well do, um, after that, you know, Trump is going to be so dominant that that will be the end. Okay. I mean, I think it's over now, but you know, it, it is what it is. So let's let it play out. Uh, Donald Trump did get two major endorsements in the last couple of days. Vivek Ramaswamy after Iowa endorsed him and then went on the campaign trail with him, especially in uh, New Hampshire. So those voters are inclined to Donald Trump anyway. They're going to vote for him. So Trump is going to get those voters. And, you know, I have to say Vivek out of all of the Republican presidential candidates this year, Vivek Ramaswamy is the only one who has played any of this right in terms of not attacking Donald Trump. He had that one little hiccup. Um, he had that one little hiccup over last weekend where he put out that stupid photo of save Trump, vote Vivek. That was a mistake, but I think he understands that, realizes it. He's the only one who's played any of this right. The others are just, you know, they're smart people, but they're just, they can't meet the moment and they are certainly not leading a movement. Uh, the other big endorsement that Trump got this week is Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Uh, another major, major endorsement because uh, Cruz and Trump had their difficulties back in 2016 when they were running against each other. But Ted Cruz has come around and he's been an extraordinary supporter of Trump's and of America First. 
So we've got real dynamics here taking place, and the world is waking up. The world is waking up to the evils of globalism, the lies of the Marxists, the depths of corruption that we are seeing. More and more people are waking up, including people on the left like the Obamas via David Axelrod, who is now all over MSNBC and CNN talking about, hey, you know, Biden's got to get his act together here and fast, because if this is going to be a Trump v. Biden rematch, Trump is going to crush him. Bill Ackman, the big Wall Street uh, titan who has been leading the charge against elite academia and led the charge for Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, to step down, etc. But he's still a Democrat, okay? And he's like putting a million dollars behind Dean Phillips, of all people, to challenge Joe Biden, which you just take a million dollars and light it on fire. But he can do whatever he wants with his money. But he said this week, as of now, Trump is going to crush Joe Biden. So there is a recognition on the left that Biden, you know, he's going to get destroyed by Donald Trump because more and more people are waking up. And that's why I'm not entirely convinced that they're going to go with Biden-Harris, but as of now, they are. Now, Kamala is now the voice of the Biden-Harris ticket, God help us, because Joe is just completely out of lunch. You know, dementia is a progressive disease. It does not get better. It only gets worse. So with every passing day, your quote-unquote president is getting worse and sliding more and more into darkness. Kamala Harris now, they are wheeling out to be the voice of the campaign, and she is completely incapable of stringing together a coherent sentence. She went on The View yesterday, and she talked about how scared she was. Listen. And what are you going to do to stop the crazies? I am scared as heck. (laughs) Yeah. Which is why I'm traveling our country. You know, there's an old saying that there are only two ways to run. Mm. for office, either without an opponent or scared. So on all of those points, yes, we should all be scared. So she's scared about Donald Trump and America first and, you know, running against uh, MAGA. She's scared, scared as heck about what that might mean for the country. You mean a booming economy, enforced border and world peace? Yeah, that's really scary, Kamala. Scared as heck. By the way, even if you remove the context of her scared as heck comment, Do you really want a vice president or president, if Biden steps down, who is scared as heck of Donald Trump? If you're scared as heck of Donald Trump, then how do you feel about the Chinese or the Russians or the Iranians or ISIS or Al-Qaeda or Hamas, North Korea, China? I mean, if you can't stare down Donald Trump, you're not going to be staring down them, our actual adversaries. And they haven't over the last three years. Am I right? Exactly so. All right. Um, Before we turn to Naomi Wolf, I just want to tell you guys, you know, we all know that we're into a brand new year and time is our most precious commodity, right? And it's flying by. So why not use the time we have to learn something new, useful, inspiring, and fun history, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, Did you study any of these things back in school? Maybe not. Or if you did, maybe it's time for a refresher course, right? 
Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it. So we can always bring learning new things into the 21st century. That's why I am so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subjects. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. I personally suggest that you sign up for Constitution 101, the meaning and history of the U.S. Constitution. In this 12-lecture course, you'll explore the design and purpose of the Constitution, the challenges it faced during the Civil War, and how it's been undermined for more than a century by progressivism and liberalism. The course is self-paced, so you can start whenever and wherever. So enroll right now in Constitution 101. Our country needs more Americans who understand the Constitution and can defend the freedom of the American people against the encroachments of an increasingly large and unaccountable government. So don't wait. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash Monica to enroll. There's no cost. It's absolutely free, and it's so easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash Monica. Again, it's free. What a great way to start the year and improve yourself, right? Hillsdale.edu slash Monica. Go there and enroll in Constitution 101 or whatever course really grabs you. You will love it. All right, let's hit a quick break. We're going to come back with Dr. Naomi Wolf and a deep dive into the COVID lies. Sit tight. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, as promised today, I want to do a deep dive into one of the most important issues facing us today. In fact, could be defined as the most important issue because it's got its tentacles in every direction, including the core issues in America of freedom and individual choice and bodily autonomy and power and control. It's got all of it. It's also a global issue of literal life and death, um, both physical life and death and this metaphysical life and death of America and freedom. Here to take it all apart with us is a true warrior freedom and someone I am so blessed now to call a friend. Dr. Naomi Wolf is, of course, a best-selling author. She's a columnist. She's a professor. She is a graduate of Yale University and received her doctorate from Oxford, so no slouch in the academic world. She is also co-founder and CEO of dailyclout.io, which is a successful civic tech company. And now she has been leading for a couple of years now an extraordinary team to expose the lies that we've been subjected to 
uh, with very, very dire uh, consequences from the public health officials in this country and the globalists around the world, and in particular, uh, Big Pharma, and in particular, Pfizer. In fact, she has written a couple of books uh, about that, including uh, one that was just uh, recently released called Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. Uh, but specifically, she has written about Pfizer. She has uh, this team, as I mentioned, that has been going through hundreds of thousands of pages uh, related to Pfizer and what they have done here with these mRNA shots. She's got a new compilation coming out in April, I think, called The Pfizer Papers, Pfizer's Crimes Against Humanity, which she and uh, one of the leaders of her team, Amy Kelly, uh, have put together so she can tell us more about that as well. But she's such a warrior, and I'm so happy to have her back. Hi, Naomi. Hey, Monica. Thank you so much for having me back on the ship. Well, it is always such a joy and a pleasure uh, to talk to you, and terrifying because you bring us the truth about what we have been through. You know, Naomi, as I was thinking about how to shape our conversation today, um, I was looking back. I mean, here it is. It's early uh, 2024. The virus alighted on the scene in China in the fall of 2019. So in in this time, four years ago, sort of January, early 2020, we started to hear about this virus making its way through China and around the world. And what we have been through over the last four years is mind-boggling, and yet nobody really seems to talk about it besides you. And, you know, there are others who are sort of leading the charge to try to expose what's gone on here. But in terms of the general public, I mean, we had our freedoms taken away. We were locked down in our homes. We were had mandatory shots put in our arm to keep our jobs and go out to dinner. It is a surreal period of time and a very dangerous one. And yet nobody really is talking about it. Why? That's such a great question. Um, well, it's funny. It's like the po- the population is so cleanly divided uh, into about 20% of the population that is talking about it, right? The freedom movement, um, many people who are conservatives and libertarians who follow independent media, um, a lot of dissident uh, former or, you know, for most of their career, scientists and doctors who've become kind of the leading edge of independent journalism now, which is kind of embarrassing for journalism, but great for people's um, level of information if they, uh, you know, dip into alternative media. Well, like your show, um, I mean, you know, we're, the things we're talking about in your giant audience and my giant audience, they people can't find these subjects on CNN or MSNBC. To the contrary, they find nothing but nonstop lies. Um, but you're quite right that, you know, maybe 50 percent of the population are still locked in a cult um, mentality in which they won't reflect on what they've been through, even though their health is at stake now. And what does that leave? Like 30 percent um, are are kind of, you know, non-committed, but, you know, willing to be in denial. And what I hear everywhere, and I've written about this in Facing the Beast, my new book, is that here in, you know, liberal New York, where I'm sitting right now, um, and Brooklyn, the, 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 the cry is move on, move on. And, and like all, I went into a bookstore, Monica, and all the great nonfiction writers who deal with things like income inequality, which there could be no more textbook case than the transfer of assets of the last four years due to 
quote unquote lockdowns or, you know, racial disparity. And again, brown and black children suffered most from school closures and have lost the most academically. Um, you know, women's uh, rights. Um, and again, you know, it was women who left the workforce in droves because their children were chained to computers at home and someone needed to oversee them even in captivity. Um, not a word, not a peep. Um, and and so it's like, a, you know, it's like this tranche of history just got erased by the intellectuals who are the ones and journalists who are tasked with drafting that, you know, first draft of history. Um, so why, you know, that's, that's a deeper question. I mean, there's a very interesting book out now um, by, I think it's called The Indoctrinated Brain, that's correct, by a German neuroscientist. And he makes the case that what people have been through with the fear barrage and the repetition and the isolation um, is, is all, you know, affects the amygdala and affects um, the prefrontal cortex, like like physically, and that people have had new memories kind of inscribed over their old memories that have lost the ability to engage in, uh, in, in nuanced reasoning. And that's the most persuasive thing I've seen. You know, add to that, you know, I think that there's this kind of spiritual or almost ritualistic and occult quality to the way we've been indoctrinated, um, which is also, you know, there there's a reason rituals often have the same elements all over the world, they are designed to alter the mind. You know, what's fascinating that you uh, describe this and that you mentioned the indoctrinated brain because I love that book and I actually wrote a blurb for the author because I loved it so much and it's such an important book. Um, and I'm going to have him on this show uh, as well to take it all apart. But your point and his point and the broader point about cognitive dissonance that, you know, people who are otherwise very successful and intelligent fell for this fear campaign and this propaganda campaign that I, I can't blame them. I mean, this was the world's greatest psyop. Um, so, I, you know, everybody, you and I didn't fall for it, but everybody else around us pretty much did. And I can't fault them because it was a, a tremendous force of pressure coming down globally on everybody. So I get it. But fear is government's most effective weapon. And they really wielded it in a tremendous way. So if you are successful, um, accomplished, smart person uh, with a rational brain, and you fell for it, how do you square that circle now with yourself? That kind of cognitive dissonance, like, well, I, I fell for all of this, I got the experimental shot, and now what? Now I've got a cardiac issue, and I'm not going to blame the shot because you can't blame, like, because then it's a, reflect, a reflection of your own judgment and who you are, and a lot of people just don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I, I hear you, Monica, but I'm, I'm a much less nice person than you are because um, <laughs> I, I do blame these people. Like I understand and I empathize and I feel compassion, but, you know, all almost all of Germany fell for Nazism, you know, in the from 1939 to 1945. And they were forced to reflect you know, they were forced to, and they, you know, many of them forced themselves to look at what they had done and to reckon with what they had done and to put, you know, laws and curricula in place and memorials to avoid doing it again. So, you know, I, I, I understand the emotional pressure. I really do, you know, God forbid 
you have to realize that you did something to your child or your elder, you know, thinking that you were protecting that that loved one. And it turns out you were injuring them. Um, I mean, I see this in my own family. You know, my I mean, I'm not going to name names of my relatives who with whom I'm angry. But, you know, my mom has tachycardia after three injections and, you know, falls. And this is a classic, classic um, symptom of, you know, in the Pfizer documents of uh, vaccine injury. And all the people in my family who encouraged her to get injected are scientists and doctors. And, you know, they were quoting the CDC to me and they were quoting the NIH. And I was like, tell me where the spike protein goes. And they would just they would just make things up. They would say, well, it gets digested. It gets excreted. There was no evidence for that. But they were reading off an NIH and CDC script and not not thinking independently. These are science, like, you know, sophisticated, high level funded scientists and, you know, a, a, a you know, famous psychologist. Psychologist. I mean, I, I'm not again. I'm not going to name names, but my frustration at my own loved ones is: what is the point of that? You know, extensive education if you reason like a primitive, right? Mm-hmm. And a critical moment and cause damage to your loved ones. So, I guess what I would say is, um, and there's also a lot at stake going forward, right? Are we ever going to find treatments for these horrific injuries? Um, you know, we have to pivot the whole medical and scientific establishment to do that now. They're not, and, and you know, are we going to find cognitive treatments in schools for the emotional delays and the speech delays and the uh, phobias? You know, are we going to find psychological treatments, mental health treatments? We're not going to do that as, as a human tribe unless we are willing to have some, you know, moral cojones, I'm sorry for being vulgar, and, you know, bring ourselves to face what we have done. And, and I, yeah, like if you've inadvertently poisoned your child or your elder, deal with it, you know, make amends, ask God for forgiveness. I have no sympathy. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Very angry, Monica. Yeah, no, I know. I know. And I share your anger and frustration. And the fact that so many people are still so blind, whether it is cognitive dissonance, they can't process what they've done to themselves or their children or their parents or whatever. Um, I was in a doctor's office just for a routine checkup. And there's an administrator in the office who's a lovely woman. She's probably about I don't know, late 60s, maybe 70. And she's lovely. And I've known her for years. And I said, Oh, I haven't seen you in a while here. And she said, Oh, yeah, you know, uh, no, she said two weeks ago, and this was recently, Naomi, she said, um, a couple of weeks ago, I had a massive, massive heart attack, and was hospitalized, etc. And I said, Well, oh, I said, Well, I'm glad that you're okay. Thank God. And I'm glad that you're back at work. Uh, what happened? She said, Oh, I, massive occlusion, etc. And so I said, after I expressed I was glad she was okay. I said, can I ask you a personal question? She she said, uh, sure. I said, how many mRNA shots did you get? And she stopped and she looked at me. She goes, what do you mean? And I said, you know, the COVID vaccines. And she looked at me and she said, eight. <gasps> she had eight shots. <sighs> And so I looked at her and I, you know, I'm always, I try to be gentle with people who have, uh, like I have another good friend who was just at the Cleveland Clinic with a major heart issue with no history of cardiac problems. And I, I try to be gentle because you don't want to scare them. But I looked at her and I said, oh, what well, was obviously the shots. 
I mean, you do know now what we're learning about the cardiac issues related to these shots. And she put up a wall immediately, Naomi. She was like, oh, no, 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 no. No, this is a genetic thing with my heart, et cetera. And I said, did you ever have an issue before? And she was like, well, no. But no, of course, it's not the shot. She put eight of these shots into her body, had a massive heart attack, and is still in denial about the cause. That's so scary. I mean, that... What a tragic story. And, you know, if she does listen to you, like, I understand why someone who's employed by the medical system we now have is scared to, you know, it puts up a wall. Because if she listens to you, she'll be persuaded the minute she looks at the evidence. If she's persuaded, she won't be able to do her job without bringing it up with her superiors. She'll get in trouble. She'll get delicensed, um, you know, or, or fired or horrible things will happen to her. So her, her, I, I get, I mean, again, I have compassion for people who need to pay their mortgages, but still, right. Like people watched as their neighbors were, were put onto boxcars and she's not just endangering herself, you know, by not speaking up, she's endangering every single person who walks into that clinic. Um, And, you know, I, I just, I just think people, you know, this is one of those tests in human history. Like people love to say, I would have acted differently, you know, in Germany in the 40s. Well, act differently, you know. I mean, that said, it's easy for me to say that. I just posted um, about a horrible experience I had on a flight yesterday, Monica, from California, in which I was seated next to a mom and near a dad and their two adorable daughters, three and six. And, the, and both these tiny children were masked and the mom and dad were masked. Well, the six-year-old started to have a horrible asthma attack. Um, and I, you know, I have a child, I had a child who was asthmatic. I recognize how a severe asthma attack sounds. And she was coughing and coughing and coughing. You know, when her mask was off, she was given her inhaler. She got better for 20 minutes, but then her wheezing and coughing started again and the mask went back on her tiny face Mm. for four hours. This poor child was coughing, breathing in her own bacteria and, you know, risking uh, bacterial infections and and horrible damage to her lungs. And I didn't say anything, right? I really thought about it. I really thought about it. But part of me, you know, thought maybe the way to do this is to post about it and ask people to tell moms and dads with asthmatic kids how dangerous that is. I just, I don't know. I felt I empathized with how frazzled the the parents were, but I should have spoken up, right? I should have spoken up. So that's on me too. But these, these, these horror stories and tragedies are absolutely everywhere. Um, So, you know, I'm not guiltless. I, this child's on my conscience, obviously. Well, uh, you know, all of us don't beat yourself up too much, Naomi, because all of us, you know, we don't we don't know what individual medical situations are. Like, I have a, an elderly neighbor here in New York, um, and she walks with a walker, and she is, you know, she's been completely brainwashed by all of this. But, you know, I don't know what her situation is, and she's out there with a mask. So, look, I'm not going to judge her, um, but you know, and you don't want to necessarily intervene in a public situation with parents and their children like it becomes a, a bigger mess and then everybody's got a cell phone camera and they're going to re- be recording Naomi Wolf doing this and then it becomes that, a that thing yeah, yeah exactly but it is all part of this tyrannical structure 
um, that the public health system, but also the system more broadly, system. right, has in place where, you know, we're, we're talking the truth here, but people are afraid to do it. Well, you make a really good point because um, some of the comments when I kind of made this confession on Twitter last night were, um, you know, we've been indoctrinated to feel that it's impolite to talk to strangers uh, in order to isolate us from one another so we can't unite. And I think that's true. And I also think, as you say, the kind of surveillance society of, you know, there I would be harassing a poor mom and her poor child, you know, on camera for the world to see, right, um, is also part of it. Like we're surveilling each other in in this kind of cancel culture. Uh, and all of that is bad. But, you know, I still look, that's just I, 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 I am going to beat myself up for it, Monica, because I for just the reasons that I started out this conversation, that if I don't reflect on my shortcomings in that situation, I, you know, I will other children will suffer if I'm in that situation mm. again. So, mm-hmm. And we all have to, we all have to, like, risk it. Like, I, ha- I should have risked, you know, stressing out that mom. I should have risked whatever being hounded on social media. Like, all, you know, our life is a series of moments like this in which we have to tell the truth, you know, if we're going to survive. And, like, for example, now friends who were completely cult-like with that, the, you know, pursuit of this injection are coming to me for medical advice because I oversee, um, you know, with the leadership of Amy Kelly, the project director, this incredible group of 3,500 doctors and scientists who volunteered to read through the Pfizer documents. So I, you know, I understand a lot about the symptoms that people are getting. And I've also started, I mean, this may seem like kind of whistling in the wind, but I've also started to research deeply um, herbal and natural natural remedies for some of the things that people are um, suffering because I no longer, Monica, have any faith in any, any of the medications people are given. I think all of them are probably processed with minimal FDA oversight, if not complete corruption. And we can't trust anything we're told about the side effects. Um, and, and I'm persuaded that, it, you know, it's best to stay out of the hands of, of allopathic you know, mainstream medicine altogether. Um, but, you know, I think that's the, the time we're heading into now in which people may continue to be in denial, but but the truth is is seeping out. I mean, interestingly, on that same flight, I got um, free drinks because the flight attendants recognized me and appreciated my work. <laughs> I love it. They were telling me appalling stories about how the airlines had stopped um, – since 2020, recording uh, medical incidents on planes, including among their own pilots mm-hmm. and staff. Um, so, I mean, we're in we're in that time. I guess what I'm trying to say is we're in that time of like denial and awakening at the same time. And that's pretty normal when a culture has gone through a real trauma. I mean, it's normal in, in individual lives, right? When when you go through a trauma, part of you takes a long time to be willing to face whatever horror it was, whether it's, you know, sexual assault or a violent relationship or, you know, an an alcoholic loved one, you know, it's, it's no one I know is, is emotionally healthy enough to, to, to get it right away when there's something really traumatic that's happened, let alone, I mean, you know, we haven't talked about the metaphysical aspects of this yet, but, you know, I think with ordinary trauma and studies show this, right. Kids can go through a war 
you know, and be refugees and be emotionally fine and in touch with reality adults too, right? If they have um, strong social bonds around them. Uh, but throw in uh, manipulation of reality and uh, it, the kind of disorientation that creates um, mental illness, basically. And it's much harder to... Um, to not sustain lasting damage. I mean, in my book, The Bodies of Others, um, which is uh, kind of a prequel to the new book, Facing the Beast, I write about how, you know, I studied torture for my first book about tyranny at the end of America when the Bush administration was torturing people. And, you know, they, I mean, it didn't end with the Obama era where he assassinated Americans. But anyway, um, I was looking at torture and even one day in solitary confinement, creates lasting changes in the brain. And we were all in, you know, many of us were in solitary confinement for months. And it was all deliberate and it was all based on lies. Um, Lies coming from the deep state, the military industrial complex, the public health complex. And, you know, people, I I was in the administration at the Treasury Department at the time. And, uh, you know, I'm loyal to Donald Trump. He is a friend. And when people go after Trump, I, I, you know, I keep saying, guys, you need to understand Donald Trump was not a doctor. And this was an unprecedented situation that they were springing on him. So did he make the best? decisions throughout this crisis? Of course not. No president is ever perfect. But he was being fed bad information from really dark, corrupt players who were involved in this from the beginning for very dark reasons. So let's talk about one of those deep state players, Naomi, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Um, because just recently he was on the Hill to give a private deposition to Congress over two days. I think it was 14 hours total of testimony, and he is going to appear publicly Uh, relatively soon. But what we have learned from this two days uh, behind closed doors for this transcribed under oath uh, interview from Fauci is that social distancing, he said, was completely made up. He said, I have no idea where that came from. Well, then why did you push it if it had no basis in scientific fact? He said, oh, yeah, I don't really know anything about learning loss from the kids. I I don't I, I don't know. Next question. So that out the window, the lab leak theory. And, you know, there's so much more that's been leaked about this. But I let's start with, before we get to the children and everything else, Naomi, it has now been reported that Anthony Fauci made an unregistered secret visit to the CIA. So when people say, oh, this is a conspiracy theory, that somehow the security state was involved in this, absolutely not. Fauci walked through the doors of the CIA. They did not register his visit. They kept it secret. And we have no idea what they were talking about. So which way did that conversation go about the origins of SARS-CoV-2? I mean, at the minimum, right? It could have been so much more. Um, Yeah, I mean, before I speak to that, I just want to validate what you said from the other perspective of another administration. Um, You know, when you said that when people attack President Trump, you give that response. I just want to validate that, you know, as a former political consultant to the Clinton campaign and to Vice President Gore, these people are, you know, running a country and they have to rely on the experts around them to boil down the evidence and give them their best advice. And in a million years, I can't imagine knowing what I know, also having been a White House spouse, that 
a president from any party could conceive that his senior medical advisors would advise him on the basis of lies and influence from an enemy uh, regime and and scientific nonsense. Um, like it's 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 inconceivable. I mean, that's treason. Uh, so yeah, no president can. I mean, people have to you know really bear in mind what a day in the White House is like. It's like constant incoming crises all day long and and literally no president can function if he's supposed to investigate independently every single thing his advisors tell him to do especially in a field in which he's not trained so i'm with you on that i support i support that wholeheartedly people should not be blaming president trump for um taking the advice of people who are hired and tasked and paid to give him sound scientific advice based on the evidence so everything fauci has admitted to is, you know, uh, treason, which, by the way, uh, carries a um, capital punishment as one of its um, consequences. I'm, I'm not calling for violence. I'm just saying the law, it is very serious to commit treason. It's it's a capital offense um, if people are found guilty. And the other thing I want to note from what you just said, you know, big picture, it's bigger than Dr. Fauci, right? And it's even kind of bigger than the CIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, because... If you've got a precedent, like every record that the government creates, and you know this better than I do, belongs to the people, belongs to the you know citizens of the United States of America. There, there are very limited um, reasons to redact uh, any records, any files, and they're, they're legally circumscribed. So a private two-day session that the public cannot witness or get a transcript of I don't see how that's lawful, A, and it's a horrible precedent. It means we're not living in a you know, constitutional republic anymore. And the other thing is, you know, walking in and out of the CIA without registering the visit, what that says about our vulnerability now that the, the national security apparatus, the intelligence community is not following its own security protocols is also extremely terrifying. Well, and we just saw that with Lloyd Austin, who went into the ICU for five days without telling the commander in chief or anybody else, and the entire chain of command was th- thrown into disarray. But that's a subject for a different day. Um, well, kind of, but it's kind of related, Monica. I, I hadn't known that, but it's kind of related because you know, uh, I mean, you know, my husband Brian O'Shea comments about these issues, and I'm very influenced by him. He's a former member of the intelligence community. Mm -hmm. So he knows what he's talking about. And his view is that, I mean, these things are all related, right? We're having millions of military age men pouring into the country. And I'm the daughter of immigrants and the granddaughter of immigrants. I believe in legal immigration, but this is an invasion. I mean, I'm persuaded that it's an invasion. I've, I've traveled around the world and seen refugees all over the world. They don't look like this. Mm -hmm. They don't look fit and strong and confident and with military bearing, um, you know, standing at parade rest, as Brian points out in photographs or marching in cadences, as he points out in videos. It's, it's very true. They're clearly, an, you know, a, a, an army. And, you know, they've identified um, uh, terrorists, people linked uh, with immigrants of special interest, linked with terrorist groups from Afghanistan, from China. Um, he and his partner, J.J. Carell, who 
is a former border agent, you know, have have been reporting on these issues. So there's that. These people are going, you know, I'm here in Brooklyn, you know, a, a school just got taken over. So the kids can't go to school because these people of military age and bearing are being housed, you know, like down the street from where I'm sitting, practically, right? Meanwhile, Kathy Hochul, the governor of where I'm sitting, wants, you know, has, has under the cover of darkness, uh, reiterated that she wants the right to put people like me and you, if you're in New York, in quarantine camps. Um, and at the same time, uh, the, you know, intelligence community opens the door to someone, you know, clearly working closely with China, Dr. Fauci, and um, our commit, you know, the commander of our armed forces is AWOL. This is, it all fits together. It's the coordinated actions of a country that's being prepared for um, defeat, you know, from the inside. All right, Naomi, I'm going to ask you to please stand by. So much more to cover with you coming straight up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, we are back now with Dr. Naomi Wolf. You know, you spent, and I love talking to you about your own personal journey, both politically and, and spiritually and emotionally, because, you know, it takes a lot of strength for somebody who uh, came up in a certain political affiliation and culture as you did, you're a lifelong Democrat, you are a legendary feminist. In our very first conversation, Naomi, I told you on the air, and I told you off the air too, that I read your your book, The Beauty Myth, and was completely obsessed with it. I think it came out in 91. Um, and I was completely obsessed with it. And at the time, I was working for former President Richard Nixon. And he asked me what I was reading. And I told him, <laughs> And he, he and I had a conversation about it, actually, which you and I could talk about another time. But, you know, you, you, were, you came of age in the left. You were steeped in the left. You were a political consultant to Bill Clinton and, and Al Gore. And this whole journey, it takes a lot because your political values are your values in so many ways. And so for somebody to make that change and see things clearly over a period of time, it's a huge testament to your character. And it also gives what you have to say about this whole period of time and all of the players so much more gravitas because you're coming at it from a truly intellectually honest point of view. So I want everybody to to understand that, that Naomi, is coming at this uh, with great integrity. Can we uh, talk, Naomi, about what we know so far about COVID-19, you know, of Fauci going on the record now with like, well, I, you know, I don't know, we made this stuff up as we went. I mean, come on, that, of course, is a lie as well. But they inflicted so much damage on individuals from a medical point of view, a social point of view, and the rest of it for this much bigger, darker agenda. But what do we know uh, so far about the origins of SARS-CoV-2? Um, the the uh, promotion of fear surrounding it, what's true, what's not true, and then the mRNA shots. And I know that's a huge question, so take your time breaking it down. Oh, gosh. Um, well, we know that 
the whole scientific establishment in and out of government lied about the origins of the virus because um, the, you know, pangolin in a wet market theory turns out to have been imaginary, even though major publications supported it, uh, peer-reviewed publications supported it. And we know now that Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins um, were writing letters to journals to smear um, people who raised questions about it. And in fact, that um, there was pressure from uh, the White House on social media to uh, censor um, critics uh, of of the uh, wet market theory and um, people who raise questions about the lab leak theory. Um, and, and we know that, you know, respected scientists kind of changed their views about the artificial nature of the uh, sequence in the virus um, when uh, Dr. Fauci put pressure on them. So all, all of all of that is scary because we would have identified much earlier on that the virus came from uh, a lab that is run by the People's Liberation Army of China, mm-hmm. which should raise you know, immediate questions about, is this a bioweapon? Um, which, as you know, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the same, oh, there's more. I mean, Dr. Fauci in 2019 imported um, some animals from a shady roadside zoo in Maryland, shipped them to an NIH lab in Montana, and ordered some COVID <laughs> to infect them with. Um, and people in around Montana were saying, wow, I had a weird illness in 2019. I couldn't, you know, I know the sense of taste or smell. So it's very possible that the lab leak was even prior to, you know, Dr. Fauci's funded illegal bioweapons research, gain of function research in China in 2020. It may have dated back to 2019 due to Dr. Fauci, you know, in the heart of the United States of America. And there were 11 facilities um, that Dr. Fauci was funding uh, that were experimenting, um, you know, basically in a gain-of-function way with making coronaviruses more infectious uh, under the oversight of Dr. Ralph Barrick. So that's number one. Um, number two is the, uh, well, there's all the protocols, right? Like we know now that the the CDC and, um, you know, and Dr. Fauci and the, and the FDA uh, kind of conspired to make the treat to suppress alternative treatments like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, you know, let alone basic things that kept Pakistan healthy, like a neti pot with saline and, you know, beta demons, right? Um, you know, very simple preventives. Uh, and that they uh, used protocols like remdesivir that hastened people's death. Um, and there are lawsuits for wrongful death or murder, medical murder, like, um, Doctor, not Doctor Scott Shara is the dad of a lovely young lady with Down syndrome named Grace Shara, nineteen-year-old who was murdered by Remdesivir. You know, the family did everything they could to save her, but the the hospital protocols led directly to her murder. And there's so many stories like that, and they're still happening. Um, I mean, there was there were financial incentives to hospitals to declare a COVID death. Um, and to create a COVID death, essentially. Uh, now let's move on to the quote-unquote treatment. Um, these other uh, uh, treatments were suppressed, as I mentioned. People were encouraged to stay home and get sicker and sicker until they came to the ER. 
other things looking back were designed to make people sick, like the direct, you know, not uh, barring us from hiking trails in California and beaches, barring children from playgrounds. All of those things boost immunities <laughs> and keep people healthy. And sunshine, vitamin D, has been found to be one of the most important things you can do to prevent getting COVID or getting very sick from COVID. So we were kept indoors in multi-generational households in lockdowns. This is in the darkness, right? And this is textbook dating 100 years back, um, 150, all the way back to the Crimean War. You know, Florence Nightingale learned that sunshine and fresh air and good food and exercise keep people from getting very sick and the progressive era reformers gave children cod liver oil and, you know, built playgrounds because they understood that vitamin D and sunshine and exercise kept children well at a time of rampant infectious diseases and, you know, no good uh, antibiotics. And all of that went out the window, you know, and we were kept indoors where it's a breeding ground of illness and disease and especially infectious disease. Um, isolation, uh, solitude, which I mentioned before, doesn't just make people crazy. It lowers their immunities. There are so many studies that show that elders' immunities and longevity is boosted by visits and hugs and touching from their loved ones. Well, our poor elders were locked away and, and died, you know, in isolation because they were dying of loneliness mm-hmm. um, in ways physically. And then I'll scamper ahead to the, you know, much heralded only way out of the pandemic, quote unquote, only way out of lockdowns, um, which was the talking point, these injections. Um, our team has uh, now issued 94 reports. Um, they, they've they gone through 450,000 pages of documents that were only released to the public due to a successful lawsuit against the FDA by lawyer Aaron Siri. And what our team has found is a, you know, a, 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 one of the great massacres in history. I mean, a, a massacre at a level that we can't even visualize yet. Millions of deaths and disabilities um, due to, directly to this mRNA injection. The mRNA injection causes, and I say that advisedly because so many of the um, severe adverse events took place within 48 hours of the injection. Can, can I stop you right there, Naomi, and just ask you, because over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've gotten the number 17 million deaths. Um, and, you know, Brett Weinstein was on with Tucker Carlson, and he was making this point as well, that the estimate is 17 million deaths directly caused by these mRNA shots. Is that the number that you think is accurate? Do you think it's more? Do you think it's less? I, well, I'd need to look at his math. I haven't watched his interview yet, though. He's <laughs> sending it to me, so I'm sure it's very good. But um, I, I can't check his math yet uh, for this interview, but I can say that Steve Kirsch did an analysis showing millions of disabilities and hundreds of thousands of deaths in the U.S. alone. Um, and I we checked his math, and it was correct. So um, maybe worldwide, uh, you know, if one can extrapolate to certainly worldwide, one can extrapolate to millions if there are hundreds of thousands of deaths in the U.S. alone. Um, but, you know, I, I need to see I need to see his reasoning, but it's it's definitely millions of deaths. I'm, I'm, I'm very confident saying that because, you know, the U.S. is one country with what is it? Five percent of the world's population. If there's hundreds of thousands of deaths here 
you look at the other 157 countries where this was rolled out, you're going to get millions of deaths. You know, and they they did it in such a clever kind of way because, first of all, they, they grounded this whole uh, enterprise in health, right, in medical right. issues, which you can never really question. You know, if somebody says that they're sick and you question whether or not they're actually sick, then you're the bad guy, right? You're the jerk. Um, and so they, they wrapped it in this whole thing. Like, we were just at a memorial service uh, for the wife of a friend, and she's she was in her 70s, and she took a bath, had a heart attack in the bath, and died. Now, I, I don't know what her medical situation was, Right, but I am convinced that she had, I think, four or five shots, um, and I'm sure that that's what killed her. But you can't, people are having a hard time creating the causality between, like, yeah. well, she was in her 70s or she had some other issues, and so you can't really tie it to the vaccine. How are you able to do that? How are you able to speak so confidently about the causation? Well, because of what's in these reports. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, one you know, significant factor is the timeline. You know, if you get a a, a shot on the 15th and, and you're dead on the 17th, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, I, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's, you know, so horrifyingly obvious that that mm-hmm. should have been a, a safety signal. Um, one of our most shocking findings very recently, I'm looking at a link on Daily Club that says, letter to Texas Attorney General Kim Paxton, vaccinated deaths in Pfizer's COVID vaccine trials were concealed. So um, they were not disclosed to FDA with EUA data. So what that means is that Pfizer had a number of deaths in their clinical trials that they illegally concealed from the FDA or delayed reporting so that the FDA wouldn't see how quickly people had died in their trials upon being vaccinated. Um, but there are many more, like the, the way the injections work, explain the things we're seeing now that we've never seen before, like turbo cancers or even, you know, a heart attack and dying in the bath, you know, or died suddenly, people collapsing, young adults collapsing, myocarditis among young adults. Um, myocarditis is just one example. Young adults, you know, it was extremely rare for young adults to have heart damage. Well, now, you know, we, we, my team found that um, Pfizer knew that kids were getting myocarditis. They, uh, a recent report shows that they secretly experimented on five to 11 year olds to look at the troponin levels in their bodies, which is a marker of heart damage. So they knew that heart damage among tiny children was a possibility. They were looking for it. Um, They knew that, uh, 35 um, teenagers had sustained myocarditis upon a week of being injected and they concealed it. Um, And then we found uh, emails in through a FOIA by a lawyer of ours, Ed Berkovich, that found that the White House looping in Dr. Walensky, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, all the tops, right, um, were scrambling in April of 2021 to conceal from the public the fact that um, pediatricians were warning them that uh, kids were getting myocarditis and they created a script, which is wholly redacted, a 17 page script to deny this and to cover it up. And you remember 2021, all these people were saying myocarditis is um, extremely rare and it resolves, which was a lie. And they knew it was a lie. Like there are 15 White House communication staffers leading the charge and the template went up to the the president. He knew. Um, So those are just two examples, but others are how the injection works. 
um, Dr. Chris Flowers, one of our leaders, has pointed out that the injection interferes with the electrical signaling um, of the heart. And so that's a directly causative of heart damage. Other issues are neurological, dementias, Alzheimer's, strokes. Uh, the injection interferes with the electrical functioning that allows for healthy neurological um, uh you know, functioning. So that's another, you know, source of death. Uh, other people like Dr. Mackis have pointed out in our team as well, um, that it causes turbo cancers from the way it suppresses the immune system's ability to clear out uh, the free radicals that, that cause cancer, right? So the body can't protect itself from things that it would normally get rid of that are carcinogenic. And we're seeing cancers that go from nothing to dead in four months that oncologists have never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, another uh, reason it causes death and disability is the way um, the mRNA is encapsulated in lipid nanoparticles, which is a, an industrial fat, which in turn is covered in polyethylene, polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum product. So this carrier system, which respectfully, I think Dr. Malone needs to explain why he was on board with using it, because it's been known for 10 years to uh, penetrate through every barrier in the human body and, and um, harm sexual and reproductive um, capabilities in both men and women. Um, it also crosses the blood-brain barrier, and people are dying of, again, strokes and um, brain tumors. Um, it, it And you know, in crossing the blood-brain barrier, you're weakening every single organ, right? So, you know, you're you're making it much more likely that you have the kinds of horrific blood disorders that we see in the Pfizer documents. Thrombos, thrombotic thrombocytopenia, clots, blood clots, lung clots, leg clots. I mean, I was in the hospital for appendicitis this year, and I was scanned for leg clots. I've never been scanned before. And I said, why are you scanning me for leg clots? You know, I'm not vaccinated, right? And and they said, well, now we, we scan everyone for leg clots in case they came in from the other hospital with leg clots so that they can blame the other hospital, meaning mm. leg clots are so common that it's now routine to scan people. You know, th these, these lipid nanoparticles clot, right? They are kept at extremely cold temperatures because at warmer temperatures, like room temperature and body temperature, they create clumps in the blood that once again goes into the heart, creates a heart attack um, or into the lungs, creates, um, you know, respiratory collapse, organ failure. So I've just explained kind of the basic mechanism of how these injections are murder weapons. And I, you know, I, one of another, one of our leaders, Dr. Um, Robert Chandler says that uh, because the lipid nanoparticles, an injection is like a shotgun blast to the body. It just causes damage in every organ in the body, throughout the body. Um, and so, and there's no way your body gets rid of it, right? So the first injection, there's damage. The second injection, there's more. The first booster, there's more. And again, this is why we're seeing, you know, women's ovaries being blocked up because in, in a horrible menstrual and reproductive problems, a 13 to 20% drop in live births in the West um, because it accumulates in the ovaries, it, it, you know, maternal deaths are up to 40% because, it, it, you know, the, the uh, placenta is impaired. Women are hemorrhaging and getting infections like they used to in childbirth in the 19th century. Um, I could go on and on. But the last thing I want to say about why I know this injection is a bioweapon, just like the virus is clearly a bioweapon, is that um, is the distribution of who's getting injured and dying 
the of the 42,000 plus adverse events in the Pfizer documents. And that's just three months, right, from um, December of 2020 to February of 2021. So scale that up, right? Um, the overwhelming majority are in the United States, including deaths. The And there were 1,225 deaths. The uh, next largest tranche is Western Europe in order of political importance. And you will understand this, Monica. Um, Britain, France, Germany, uh, Greece, Spain, Italy. And lastly, um, all the other uh, 52 countries where this injection was rolled out around the world amount to only 7,000 adverse events. So, you know, my research found that you can take people out basically through manipulating the brand with Moderna being three times as lethal as Pfizer, but they're both manufactured basically in the same way, but there's um, more than triple the dose of harmful ingredients in Moderna or even with something as simple as storage, because um, remember that at the beginning it was like, Oh, this has to be kept at super low temperatures. Yes. But it's right. Mm -hmm. Those instructions got more and more casual as time went on. And so people were getting injections that had been, you know, sitting out, for two hours. Um, and therefore degraded? It, uh, no, therefore um, cl- clotting more. Mm-hmm. you thicker. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. Do you think now, with the benefit of, of time and distance from the onset of this so-called pandemic around the world to what we now know with all of the these details coming out and also your extensive research. Do you believe that this is part of a broader globalist uh, effort to reduce the population of the world? Yeah, unfortunately I do. I mean, it's, it's genius. You know, I was really hesitating to go in that direction. I thought people who went in that direction were getting ahead of the facts until about eight months ago when um, our team was finding how how much effort in the Pfizer documents go went into um, disrupting human reproduction. I mean, this is a respiratory disease, allegedly, uh, Monica, and there's almost nothing about lungs in the Pfizer documents, mm-hmm. nothing about mucous membranes. Um, it's all about sex organs and, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot, you know, about like, needing rats and then, you know, vaccinated, unvaccinated, and then examining the cells of their sex organs or, you know, tables of so horrific of human women, um, you know, with thousands of women in each cell of the, of the uh, a spreadsheet, you know, documenting how, how their menstrual cycles had been destroyed. They were, you know, 15,000 bleed every day, 10,000 bleed twice a month, have two periods a month, you know, 7,500 have no periods at all. So they're infertile, you know, um, 6,000 are passing tissue and hemorrhaging. I mean, horrific, disabling menstrual conditions, which, by the way, my first alert about this in June of 2021 got me um, banned from Twitter at the behest of the White House, which is quite terrifying. You know, I um, I just want to stop you there because, of course, I follow you on Twitter and I was following you throughout that, that entire period of time. And I saw you tweet 
uh, about this, about women and their menstrual cycles and their reproductive cycles being disrupted. And you were simply raising the question. And then literally the next day you were gone. And I said, where is Naomi Wolf on Twitter? What? Yep, it got you suspended. And now all of this data is coming out to back up exactly what you were saying. Thank you. Well, I wasn't just gone. I also faced a global, quite scary, because I didn't understand the role of AI in journalism at that time, a global reputational attack from the same outlets that, you know, until that moment had, you know, treated me as a columnist or sought my, you know, sought to publish me or sought to quote me. So it, it was bigger than just getting kicked off of one platform. And, but, and yeah. at the behest of the Biden White House. Correct. Exactly. And two lawsuits have have revealed this, Mm. Um, which is really scary. They had like DHS in on it and the Bureau of the Census and Twitter and Facebook. And, you know, that's against the Constitution. But it's also very chilling for a citizen to know that the White House, for whom, by the way, I voted um, to my regret, um, is 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 coordinating like the, the census knows where I live, you know. Oh, I, I mean, it's absolutely terrifying, the weaponization of government against average citizens who are speaking the truth or simply have a dissenting point of view. It's absolutely, I mean, we're in a tyranny. It's a medical yeah. tyranny. It's a political tyranny. And, you know, the American people better wake up. Um, in our final couple of moments here with you, Naomi, and we're going to bring you back because there's so much more to talk about here. But the Florida Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Latipo, who's just on this show a couple of weeks ago, he made an announcement recently that he is recommending the halt of all, the use of all COVID-19 mRNA shots. He is out there alone. He's swinging by himself. Uh, but, you know, he's backing it up with the data that you're laying out, etc. And of course, he's getting pounded by so many people uh, for, you know, being a lunatic on this stuff. But he is telling the truth. And in the state of Florida, you know, he's going to try to enforce this, to call for the halt of this. In Europe, there have also been similar calls to halt the use of these shots. Uh, what's your sense of where we're going on this as more data comes out? And will there be any accountability for all of these villains? I mean, it's really, you know, it's really up to the people of, of this country, Um you know, Republicans have been at the forefront of criticizing the this crime, but you guys have a majority, and I uh, in in Congress, and I'm not seeing any meaningful um, activity uh, at all for accountability. Um, there are some impressive lawsuits. Um, Ken Paxton, the Attorney General of Texas, uh, is you know has brought a lawsuit against Pfizer. We've brought a lawsuit against Pfizer, but this is a massive uh, crime involving the most senior levels of government buying off, you know, medical, you know, hospitals and, and professional groups and, and um, health, you know, boards of health and so on. So it's not going to be, there's not going to be accountability unless the people let their representatives know that if there isn't accountability, they will not reelect them. And they'll work to defeat them. Uh, and also um, for people to share the information they have, um, which brings us back to the beginning of our conversation. Um, so, yeah, like the people of Florida need to support um, their uh, 
the Surgeon General um, and the people listening need to write to their own Surgeons General and say, you've got to take similar action. They need to write to their own governors and say, you've got to take similar action. And they definitely need to write to their representatives. Yeah, you know, the whole system is so deeply corrupt and everything that you do in uncovering this and exposing the rot is so important and everything we just talked about today, Naomi, is so important. But this is all just the tip of the iceberg um, in terms of the globalist corruption, the the system corruption, and also the corruption of big pharma. Nobody in the, the propaganda press wants to report on any of this, uh, and they're certainly trying to bury Dr. Ladapo and you and anybody else raising the truth because they all take huge money from Pfizer, right? All the Sunday morning shows, all the cable networks, they're taking money hand over fist. One of the greatest things, Naomi, before I let you go, I've got huge mad respect for Aaron Rodgers and Novak Djokovic, who are, you know, the world's most elite athletes. They clearly did not need this experimental shot. And they said no, and they paid a huge price. I mean, Djokovic lost the opportunity to compete in uh, Grand Slam competitions that that would have enhanced his legacy because he probably would have won those. But they stood up and said, no, you know, we believe in bodily integrity. We don't need this. It should be our choice. Mad respect. But the the kicker, Naomi, was at one of these Grand Slam tennis tournaments, Djokovic was playing in front of a Moderna sponsorship (laughs) of the tournament, right? And it was just such a classic, classic moment. But, uh, you know, I don't know where we're going to go on this. I think the truth eventually emerges. Sometimes it takes a really long time for that to happen. But I think more and more people are waking up, which is why the uptake for this latest, quote unquote, booster is so low. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, we are winning in that regard. Um, You know, Pfizer lost uh, 30 percent of its um, profits and is back to pre-COVID levels of of revenue. Uh, so the bubble has been burst by us and Europe is, you know, sending back its unwanted excess doses. And, you know, very few people are taking the booster. Pregnant women are taking, are not putting anything in their bodies, thank God, um, that shouldn't be there uh, overwhelmingly. So, you know, we are winning in that regard, but, you know, I do want to end, and I'm afraid I have to hop off, but I do want to end by saying people have a lot of power in um, the media that they support, like your show, uh, my show, War Room, Independent Media, which depends on um, subscri- subscribers and sponsors, and people can choose to impoverish Pfizer and Moderna um, and and the New York Times and CNN are taking Pfizer materials money to lie to us by um, funding the alternative economy and including funding alternative media. Yes, it's such an important point, Naomi. Thank you. Her latest book is called Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith and Resistance in a New Dark Age. It's available wherever you can get your books and please go pick it up because again, we need to support Naomi, uh, independent voices like Naomi, courageous voices like Naomi, and we do it by supporting all of her content. Uh, The website, dailyclout.io, of which Naomi is the co-founder and CEO. And she's got a new book. She will be back in the spring, The Pfizer Papers, which is a compilation of, quote, Pfizer's Crimes Against Humanity. So you will come back for that. Uh, Naomi, please remind the audience of where they can find you on social media. Yes, uh, Naomi R. Wolf on Twitter um, and on Getter and uh on dailyclout.io, as you mentioned, and also my Substack is outspoken. It is always a pleasure, Naomi. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you.
Thank you. You too. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for us. What a huge show today, right? Thank you for sticking with us throughout it. Uh, Just so much important information for all of you guys uh, today. So thank you for being here and for checking out our great sponsors. We all really appreciate that. Have a fantastic weekend, and I will see you right back here next week covering the New Hampshire primary and so much more. See you then. This episode of the Monica Crowley Podcast was produced by Bayhockel Entertainment, LLC. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.